0: Hey everybody. I'm Katie. I'm Hannah. And this is Suspect, a podcast where we don't just want to feed you the true crime obsession,
1: but bring light to some stories and situations that don't get a ton of attention. And today we have two really crazy stories to share with you guys. So like we said last week, um, every episode we're going to have a theme. and We're going to have a couple stories to share with you guys this week we're going to talk about something that you may or may not have heard of we're going to be talking about a couple stories related to human trafficking a lot of time when we talk about human trafficking people just assume that it's something happening in third world countries or happening in china or europe places that aren't here Um, but that's just not the reality i think what i hope to do in my life personally and, you know, through this episode and maybe future episodes is just to bring some awareness to the fact that human trafficking is happening all around us all the time. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. The reality of it is shocking. And I just, I don't say things to make people afraid. We're not going to talk about anything in the story to try to make you live in fear, but we just want you to live in awareness and to have just some understanding of what's going on around you so that way you can, you know, just protect yourself and, you know, look out for you and and loved ones around you. So, okay if you're ready, I say let's just jump on into these stories.
0: Okay. I agree. Do you want to go first this week?
1: Sure. I'll go first. Okay. So my story is of a woman named Wendy Lizenko. Now, when Wendy was... 13 years old. She was living in a really abusive home. She didn't, in all of the stories I read about her, she didn't really go into detail about what kind of abuse it was, but I imagine it was pretty terrible because when she was 13, she left her home in California. Oh, wow. Yeah. She was incredibly young, but she, she wasn't just running away to run away. She had these friends who said they would take her in in exchange for, you know, just doing chores around the house. And I imagine when you're 13 years old, if you're desperate enough to leave your home, people who offer you a place to live in the name of just doing, you know, some cooking and cleaning and just helping out, I imagine that's got to sound pretty fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would love to stay somewhere and not have to do anything but wash the dishes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It sounds like the perfect setup. Like all you got to do to you know,
1: earn your keep, so to say, is Mm -hmm. to just help take care of the house. Like, I mean, that sounds like a dream. But it didn't take very long for those favors to turn into sexual favors. And something that we should know about the friends that were letting her live there was they were part of a local motorcycle gang, which motorcycle gangs aren't always bad. I mean, there are several that are dedicated to protecting children. So not all motorcycle gangs are bad. Just want to say that, but the way this story goes kind of indicates that this motorcycle gang is not a good one. Yeah. Because when the when the favors are in the house and everything started to become sexual, they branded her with a tattoo (gasps) that said "Property of Blank." The The name of the couple was never revealed because of, you know, just retaliation reasons. They never want any information about the gang specifically to come out because then they could come after Wendy and, you know, it's just bad. So it's all for Wendy's security that we don't know the name of this couple. But they've a 16-year-old with a tattoo that says property of them. Oh, my goodness. What? That's some cold crap. Like, (laughs) Yeah, that's. That's just mess up stuff. So they branded her with that tattoo, and they sent her to work at a strip club. Oh, my goodness. At 16. At 16. Yeah. Mm. And no one at the strip club either knew or cared, and no one that went to the strip club seemed to care that there was a 16-year-old girl dancing. Mm. That just went whatever.
0: It slows my but, mind.
1: Yeah. So this poor girl escapes an abusive home, moves in with some friends. It turns sexual. They brand her. Then they start prostituting her out to friends and fellow gang members.
0: Oh, my goodness. This poor girl.
1: Yes. And it says at some point she dropped out of school. Doesn't say at what point, but at the most, that means this poor girl has like a half high school education. Yeah. At the 16 for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so basically her whole thing now is earning her ability to live in her own. And that's through prostitution and all of these things.
0: Mm.
1: And this is what Wendy said uh, later on. She said, I was in search of a family and they provided me with a sense of value, however messed up. I saw them as people who had saved me when they were actually the people who were victimizing me the worst. Um, So, I mean, that's, that's something I hear a lot when in human trafficking cases, it's the way they reel these girls in is taking them from these really horrible, loveless, abusive situations and pretending to show them love. Like if you pretend to show somebody love, who's never had the kind of love that they deserve, it's so easy to convince them and manipulate them into
0: thinking what they're doing is of their own choice. Right. A hundred percent making anybody feel wanted when they haven't felt that before.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the same kind of mind games that people use when they're in, you know, like a cheating relationship or something. It's like, Oh, you know, I love you. It was just a mistake, whatever. Manipulating someone's past manipulating their sense of an understanding of love is what sick people do. Yeah. And that's what human traffickers do. And they do it so flawlessly. Yeah. Because so many of these girls, they just get reeled right in and then they're stuck. And they don't know how to get so, themselves out of it. Right. And so it got, it, it the situation with Wendy, it just got bad. It was just spiraling. She was dancing at the club. She was being prostituted to a friend. And to fellow gang members and eventually pimps took over two of the local strip clubs, most of the local hotels and bars and many situations where the bar owners didn't even know what was going on. They just thought these girls, you know, were just there of their own free will. Like they were just, from my understanding, like they were just kind of willingly in prostitution. Um, but they might not have had any idea, but that was just what what I got from this story. And what's really heartbreaking is Wendy said the local women's shelter was for mostly domestic abuse, and they didn't know how to deal with human trafficking. Like, Mm. they weren't equipped to deal with it. They didn't have the resources and the knowledge and all of those things to get women out. So the women's shelter was no help when she realized what was going on. And the police often handled the situation poorly, and they would ask these women how many men they had slept with or why they
0: had never tried to escape before. Oh, my goodness. It's like you have nobody to turn to at that point. Right. And
1: it was when the gang members started trying to pressure her to recruit more girls that she fully understood what she was involved in, and she was able to run away. Mm, Good for her. Yeah. And, you know, it's not shared how she got away, just probably mostly for her safety and for the safety of anyone who helped her escape. So we don't have the details of that. But the good thing about this story is that she did get out. And now she works with human trafficking organizations now on how to better deal with these situations. She works with police departments to help them know how to handle it because the thing of it is because it's easy to look at the cops that handled the situation poorly and it's easy to you know look at the women's shelter and think, well, what the heck? Why can't they just help a woman escape? Human trafficking is this whole beast that we just don't understand fully. And I mean, police are trained to deal with prostitution which is illegal and so I mean it's so easy for them to think oh well this woman's just a prostitute she doesn't want to get in trouble she's lying and saying that she's being trafficked
0: right I, I mean think it's super easy especially because back in the old days like any anytime a woman even said she was raped like nobody believed her just because that was kind of the time period sort of thing you know mm-hmm. and thankfully the more we progress as a country and a people that has kind of died down a little bit. But the sad thing is, is that a lot of times they still believe that these women are lying most of the time.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's such a, it's such a hard thing dealing with sexual crimes because, I mean, I'm not, I'm not ever going to say, like, I'm not going to believe someone who is raped. But I mean, there have been outlier cases where women have lied to ruin men's lives. But I I just hope that we can not look at those examples as the majority and just take it case by case and say, let look at this situation and figure out what's going on here. But first, let's handle this woman who's come here and is obviously distressed and she's coming to us sharing something traumatic that's happened.
0: Right. Yeah, I completely agree. Don't be like, that lady that accused Justin Bieber of getting her pregnant.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, I totally forgot
0: about that, Maria. <laughs> you know, with with
1: rape, with human trafficking, it's all just bad. And whether it's either situation, it's just bad. And there are people who are just these horrible victims of these heinous crimes. And I mean, I just don't. I don't think it gets much worse than taking advantage of someone else for sex.
0: Right, being held but against I, your will for it.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't think that, that is okay and but like by any means there's no way to justify that kind of behavior.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It's sick.
1: <laughs> yeah, but the good thing is that Wendy got away. Um I know that's not the story for every girl who gets captured many, many young women and men, there are a lot of men in trafficking too, mm-hmm. they get captured and sold and never see their families ever again. Yep. And some of them even have been sold into it by their families, which is horrific. Yes, but it's terrible. just terrible. It's just a monster. It's a monster.
0: But I am glad that she survived. So good for Wendy. Go Wendy. And the good news is well, not really good news because it's obviously terrible that she was in that situation, but she can use her situation now to help those other women feel more comfortable about escaping theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that.
1: Yeah, I totally, totally agree. I think, you know, I'm not going to say that every survivor has the responsibility to do that because I like trauma and all of those things, if, if you physically can't, but if you're, mentally strong enough and able to help other people with what you've been through. I just think that's incredible.
0: Um, I do too. I think it's beautiful.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not to say anything bad about people who can't because I 100% will always be there for the victims who just can't speak out. Like I, I agree. It's It's a tragedy that none of us can imagine. That's crazy.
0: See here, I'm pulling up my case. Okay, so the case that I'm going to be talking about today is undetermined whether it actually was a human trafficking case or not. There is a couple different theories um, about the end of the case. But her mother 100% believes that she was part of human trafficking. And I've found several articles where her mom has stated that multiple times, even in 2019, the last one. So pretty recently she was still stating that she considered it a human trafficking case. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump into it. Her name was Brittany Drexel. I'll give you a little bit of background on her, and then we'll get into the story. So Brittany was born in Rochester, New York, in 1991 to her mother, Dawn. Shortly after Brittany was born, Dawn married a guy named Chad Drexel, who adopted Brittany. After Chad's military service ended, the family lived in the suburb of Chile, which is in New York. <laughs> Director took an early liking to soccer. Friends and family remember her being as fast as a ball despite her small stature. Small stature. I don't know why I said that. Sometimes I just messed up my words. <laughs> So Brittany, as she was growing up, aspired to be in nursing or cosmetology or maybe even modeling. So Brittany has been born with some issues in her right eye, which required her to have several surgeries, and she actually was blind in her right eye. And she wore contacts that gave her a distinctive appearance because of her blind eye. So in 2008, her parents, her stepdad and her mom, separated and that was not easy for Brittany. It was affecting her academic performance. Chad also says that it aggravated the depression that she had suffered from for a long time. She did remain living with her mother, but she kept in close contact with Chad. In April 2009, Brittany asked her mother if she could go to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, over spring break with her boyfriend and some girlfriends. Her mother refused since she did not know the other teenagers, and there were no other adults going on the trip. She also had a bad feeling that something bad was going to happen. So she kept telling Brittany, like, no, I just know I have this gut feeling that if you go, something bad is going to happen. And Brittany obviously did not listen being a teenager. Um, It led to a lot of arguments between the mother and the daughter for several days until April 22nd when Brittany asked her mom if she could go to a friend's house for a day or two to calm down from their arguing for that last couple weeks, which her mom did agree to. So that day, Brittany left for South Carolina with other students without telling her mother she was not actually going to a friend's house. Mm. Just such, such a teenager thing to do. Like, I think back about, I mean, I did this as a lot as a teenager. You know, I would tell my dad all the time I was going to this place, but I was like an hour away from home kind of thing. Yeah. And like, you know, as a teenager, you don't think anything much of it. You just think that your parents don't want you to have fun. But now Mm -hmm. I look back on all those situations and I'm like, I literally could have been murdered or kidnapped or raped any of those times. Yeah. Which is so scary. (laughs) Yeah. So three days after Brittany left, she called her mother once during the daytime um, after they had arrived in Myrtle Beach, telling her mother that she was at the beach. Her mom was not alarmed. She assumed that Brittany had been referring to a beach that was kind of closer to where they lived. Um, And a trip there seemed plausible to her since the temperature had reached about 83 degrees for that specific day. So that night, around 8 p.m., Brittany left her friends at the Bar Harbor Hotel on the beachfront to walk about a mile and a half south down the boulevard to another hotel, the Blue Water Resort. She was visiting a longtime friend who was staying there. Security cameras at the Blue Water Resort show her arriving wearing a black and white tank top, flip-flops, and shorts, carrying a beige purse, and then leaving around 8.45. Drexel continued texting her boyfriend, John, who had stayed in Rochester um, for the trip because of work. At around 9.15, her text suddenly stopped, and John began calling her friends in Myrtle Beach to see if they knew where she was or what had happened. When those efforts failed, he called Brittany's mom. Dawn had not known that her daughter was in Myrtle Beach, obviously, until hearing this from her boyfriend. She called her estranged husband and then the Rochester police, hoping that they could establish communication with their counterparts in South Carolina. Repeated calls and texts to Brittany's phone went unanswered. So the Myrtle Beach police began looking for Brittany the following morning. They located the security camera footage from the Blue Water Resort, and they found the friends that she had visited the night previously. The last person who had seen Brittany before she had left was a man identified as Peter Brosowitz, a 20-year-old nightclub promoter whom Brittany had known from the Rochester area, and he was also vacationing in Myrtle Beach for spring break that year. They had apparently met at a local nightclub the night before. After police interviewed Peter and the men who he was with, Um, Sharing his hotel rooms with, he said that no one has been ruled in or out, adding that they didn't have any person of interest at that time. So the police searched Brittany's hotel room, finding all of the clothes that she had packed, but not her purse or her cell phone. The phone's network, I know, which is so scary. It's like you know if someone, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. You just know. (laughs) Like if a
1: teenager doesn't have their phone, you know.
0: Right, right. If that thing's not glued to their hands. Right. And even if it is, even if you don't find their phone, if they're not answering their phone or if the phone's not on, there's an issue because I don't know any teenager that even lets their phone die.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, no, no. <laughs> I don't like to let my phone die. I know. My phone hits 45% and I'm scrambling to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So they did obviously try to track the Pings to her phone, and they were tracked on a path leading about 50 to 60 miles away from Myrtle Beach, south of it, um, in an area along U.S. Route 17 near the Georgetown-Charleston County line. The Pings had abruptly stopped on the morning of April 26th. Areas near there and around Myrtle Beach where a body might have been disposed of were searched for 11 days. In 2011, Mm. police searched an apartment in Georgetown County, but that effort did not yield any information that helped identify a suspect. Dawn drove to Myrtle Beach the day after her daughter's appearance, and she actually eventually ended up relocating there permanently to be close to where Brittany had last been seen, and she began to monitor the progress of the investigation. In 2014, a newspaper article on the case's fifth anniversary she expressed her theory that Brittany had defied her to go to Myrtle Beach because she had been promised something of interest, such as a modeling job. Don believes that her daughter was trafficked, but the Myrtle Beach police did not believe this was a, poss- a strong possibility as little or no trafficking takes place in their jurisdiction. And I want to pause there because um, obviously, like, I'm not saying all the police are going to say that, But you know how when stuff looks bad, you try to say, oh, no, like, that doesn't happen here. Like, that never happens kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I I read on Reddit a lot, and I look up these cases after I read, like, the actual articles on them. I go to Reddit, and I look them up because I feel like people on Reddit are kind of, like, low-key FBI investigators themselves. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I was reading on this case on Reddit, or there was multiple comments under the post where people from that area or like it's so crazy that they try to say that this isn't a thing that happens here because this is literally one of the biggest human trafficking rings like is near Myrtle Beach, and like mm-hmm. everybody like was commenting underneath saying that people go missing all the time, like they're never found again, like it's just really like eerie and strange how they disappeared um so I just wanted to say that because when I read that the police stated that that doesn't happen in their jurisdiction. You don't know that. (laughs) Yeah, I just want to state that. You don't know that.
1: I also, like, this is the part that scares me. And every time I start down this rabbit hole, not rabbit hole because it's very real, every time I start down this path, it really freaks me out because human trafficking goes on way too often and goes way too freely for cover-ups to not be going way, way up.
0: A hundred percent. And that's something else they said in the Reddit thread. They were like, the police here cover up stuff all the time. Like, you wouldn't believe it.
1: Yes. Like, um, there's a movie. It's called Priceless. It's a, oh, my goodness, what's her name? For King and Country made it. Um, And it's about this man who kind of unknowingly gets involved in human trafficking and he's trying to figure out oh my gosh what do i do now because these two women it's a long story how he got involved like he's he's pretty not completely innocent but he did not know what he was getting into which i right. think happens a lot with human trafficking and then you're in and then they threaten your life and you're like oh gosh
0: Yeah, and now you're like, now I have to do it or I'm going to die.
1: Right, but basically when he tried to figure it out, when he tried to get out of it and, like, help these girls, the police were involved. (laughs) Like, all the way up to the sheriff. He was involved with the trafficking. And, like, it was a small town, so I feel like it's easier for it to happen in a small town that, like, all the police are involved in trafficking. Versus, like, a big city like JSO or I'm sure Denver is a massive police force. And, you know, it's just – it's crazy scary how covered up this all goes because it's the big bucks. There is big money in trafficking and money talks, unfortunately, uh, in this situation because, I mean, money
0: can make a lot of people get quiet. Oh, yeah, real quick. And unfortunately, like, the people that you think that you should be able to trust with, like, this kind of situation, the people that you think that you would be able to run to as soon as you notice that, the police, like, doctors, like, whoever, you know, those are some Mm -hmm. of the people that are involved in it the most, like you said, and that's so scary. Yeah.
1: I mean, people are intentionally placed in positions of power for that reason sometimes. Right, exactly. Yep like doctors and police leaders and sheriffs sometimes even are elected um, because their campaigns or medical school or all those things are paid for by trafficking rings to make sure that those people are in the positions they're in. It's just, it's scary. It's yes, scary, very it's, sick. It's, if you want to dig into all of the nitty gritty, maybe we can do that another episode, but, like, there is just so much
0: crap that goes down. It's kind of scary. Yeah, I agree. And we'll also put some stuff on our um, Instagram page, guys, about human trafficking, maybe some statistics for you guys to read up on as well. So I'll go ahead and continue. So in June 2016, the FBI, who had also been involved in the case, announced a news conference that they believed that Drexel had been killed shortly after her disappearance. She had been abducted from Myrtle Beach to somewhere in the vicinity of Georgetown, near where the cell phone pings had ended, and killed there. The Bureau put up a $25,000 reward for information reading to the, leading to the resolution of the case. Let's see. So two months later, the Post and Courier reported on the allegations in more detail, based on a transcript of a bond hearing for Timothy Deshawn Taylor, who was an inmate then serving time in state prison on an unrelated charge. So, FBI agent um, Garrick Munoz testified that earlier that year, another South Carolina inmate, Taquan Brown, who had, begun be- who had begun serving a 25-year sentence for manslaughter, told them that in 2009, shortly after Drexel disappeared, he had gone to vis- visit a stash house, to give money to sean taylor timothy's father as he walked through the house brown had told the fbi agent he saw timothy taylor sexually abusing drexel with others present he continued to the backyard where he found sean taylor and made his payment as they talked she ran from the house but was soon recaptured brown said he saw timothy taylor pistol whip her and take her back inside the house where he heard two gunshots, and he assumed those were the sounds of Drexel being killed. Brown claimed to have seen a body wrapped by being removed from the house, which then was dumped in many in one of the many alligator ponds in that surrounding area.
1: Oh, my. Um, I,
0: right. So I. that's crazy. That's the one that I see the most is the alligator pond, though, that she was dumped in an alligator pond. Um,
1: Nauseating.
0: Right. Brown's statement to the investigators was partially corroborated by information received from another informant, unidentified but described as incarcerated at the Georgetown County Jail at the time he talked to authorities. According to the second inmate, Timothy Taylor had picked up Drexel in Myrtle Beach and took her to his friend's house and tried to sell her to them for trafficking purposes. But when the case drew heavy media attention, Taylor instead decided to kill her to avoid arrest. Mm. Crazy. Let's see here. I have more information, but I don't want to read all this. I just want to see one second. Okay, so in March 2018, um, the Myrtle Beach TV station reported that as part of his plea bargain negotiations, Timothy Taylor had agreed to take a lie detector test, which he failed. And let's see. When Taylor was connected to the lie detector test and asked whether he had seen Drexel after her disappearance or knew, or if he knew who was involved, the examiner determined he was not being truthful. Under the plea agreement, he was he would face at least ten years in prison for his role in the 2011 robbery. Let's see. So I'm just trying to, cause I had I had remembered the case obviously because I had studied it, but I was trying to see if they actually. I don't think they ever actually physically charged anyone with the murder, um, which is part of the reason, cause nobody nobody can be charged obviously. Um, So I don't think he was ever actually officially charged. Yeah, from what
1: I've heard about this case, because I've heard a little bit about it um, from, like, other podcasts. From what I've heard, no one's ever been charged just because no body cases are almost impossible to actually convict with.
0: Yeah, and that that's so scary. I had also read something, I can't find the article now, but a couple of days ago when I was researching it, I had read an article where her mom has hired, like, private investigators to go look for her, and they haven't come up with anything at all. Like, there's just nothing. It's like this girl just disappeared and was literally never seen again except for the one inmate that says that he saw her. Um, and I actually believe his story because, like the police said, they corroborated that house. Like, they were able to see exactly like everything that he described to them about the house when they drove out there, it was exactly correct. Like with the ponds and everything around the house. Mm. So that'd be I mean, terrifying that they were trying to, you know, get her into the human trafficking ring. And then as soon as they realized that it was being on the news, they kind of decided that it would just be easier for them to get rid of her rather than try and continue forward with that.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you're, when your life means nothing to someone, your life means nothing to someone. Like, right. if if someone's willing to use and sell you for sex, killing you is just easy.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. It's terrible. Um, so Brittany, if you're still out there, we hope that you are okay. Yeah. I mean, it's totally, totally wild. And I wish I could find more in-depth details on it. And the one thing that I did forget to mention that I wrote down on my notepad was um, obviously they weren't looking at Peter, the night plus promoter as a person of interest. But the weird thing that he did was the night that she went missing, he got him and all of his friends up at 1 a.m. and they drove home. Like it was so random. They all got up at one o'clock in the morning and drove back to Rochester. And when they asked, Like, the police asked him, like, why did you do that? Like, literally the night she went missing, he just said, because it was a long trip back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price price line oh yeah which i don't know it's just weird yeah it's totally weird like i i don't know if he had anything to do with it from my personal opinion i think if he did have anything to do with it it was kind of one of those things where he introduced her to someone who was involved in human trafficking. Like, not that he physically got his hands dirty, but I also don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean,
1: because, one, that looks really sketchy, but also, have you ever known a high school boy? They don't exactly do things – or, no, I'm sorry, he was college. Either way, high school and college-aid boys, they do some weird stuff just to do it. Yeah, just because they're
0: weird and they're at that age where – They don't, I don't know, they don't know how to do anything right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and honestly, not even boys, because I did so many random stupid things with my friends in high school and college. Like, we'd be sitting around doing homework, and people would be like, hey, you want to just drive down to Dallas? And there were a couple times that we all just drove down to Dallas in the middle of the night just to do it, because we didn't want to do homework.
0: I know, which is so crazy. That's what I'm saying. What I was saying earlier is, like, you don't even think about, like, I mean, you do now, but, like, when you're a teenager and, like, you're in college or, like, you know, you get that first little bit of freedom where your parents, like, aren't constantly on your back. Like, you genuinely don't think about all the things that could happen, like, all of the reckless stuff we did, like, staying out late, like, going places that we knew probably weren't very safe, but we were going anyway because they were cool. Like, schoolhouse form, you know, in Jacksonville. Like, mm-hmm. anybody could have been in there, like, just a psycho, knowing that people come there and – taken our heads off, you know? So it's, like, it's just scary to think about every little yeah. situation where something could have happened.
1: I mean, you hear all the time adults saying, oh, teenagers think they're invincible, blah, 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 blah. I think it's not just teenagers. I think all adults, everyone assumes that, like, whatever happens to other people, oh, it won't happen to me. And I don't know if that's a conscious thought, but we just assume that those things are so far outside of the norm that we just assume like oh we'll be fine whatever
0: right nothing will happen to me on one of the podcasts I listen to called my favorite murder um, if you guys haven't listened to that they're really great you should definitely check them out they have pretty long episodes which I love (laughs) Um, but they do this thing on their podcast where they have their listeners send in murders that have happened close to where they live Um, and so they'll do like mini episodes where they just read all of those, like, emails and letters that people send in, like, telling them about the murder that happened in their hometown. And it's so crazy because almost every single email ends with, I never thought in a million years that this would happen, like, you know, to someone either they know or to, like, their next-door neighbor or to someone that they just knew. And it's like, yeah, it can happen to anybody at any time, and you have to be on guard for it. hmm Yeah.
1: Like... There's no preference on who gets trafficked or murdered or anything like that. A lot of people just, they're sick because they're sick.
0: Right. Yeah, they don't really have a preference on anything besides the fact they want you in their car. Right. It's just crazy. It is crazy. Side note, um, I'm at work right now, and I forgot to wear deodorant today. So I keep rubbing lotion under my arms, <laughs> hoping that. <laughs> it oh but it's not working like it's
1: terrible oh <laughs> babies are going to get up and be like what? <laughs> oh my gosh one uh, time at so. church one time at church i forgot deodorant and i just kept running by the hand sanitizer dispenser and using that <laughs>
0: yeah i've done it so many times
1: probably not the healthiest thing in the world but yeah i've done it
0: it's crazy, and I'm not one of those girls that like doesn't stink. You know, like there's some girls that can go without deodorant and they're fine, but I start stinking like as soon, <laughs> like as soon as it wears off. So crazy. Yeah. Well, that was that I, was like, some good cases today.
1: Yeah, it was. It it's always not like I enjoy it because it's a horrible topic, but just anytime I can get information out there and make someone more aware of the dangers that surround them and the dangers that are just way high up and being covered up. Like I'm all
0: about exposing the lies. Yeah. I know that you've been wanting to talk about the human trafficking aspects of crime for a while now.
1: Yeah. It's something that's really close to my heart. Like my dream is to one day be able to start some sort of awareness organization, um, for human trafficking, like working with high schools and things. So it's definitely something I'm extremely passionate about.
0: Well, good. I hope that we can bring more light to a lot of those cases throughout this podcast. Um, I have an idea for our next theme. Oh,
1: okay. What's your idea?
0: Okay, so this is partly because I have a case that happened here in Colorado that I really, really want to talk about. So what do you think if we find cases that happen? Not necessarily in your hometown, so not the city, but like just in your state. Um, yeah, I'm I'm so down.
1: I mean, Jacksonville, I'm pretty sure at one point was like the murder capital of the U.S.
0: So yeah, I'm pretty sure anything crazy that has happened has happened in Florida. Like literally, <laughs> yeah, Florida man stabs wife with frozen squirrel. I don't know, weird stuff right. happens here all the time. Eat your face off with bath salts, kind of shit.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was telling um, the people that I nanny for about that Joe exotic show, Tiger King or whatever it's called. And um, it was so funny because I told them, I was, like, telling them that there's three different zoos, you know. Mm. And um, they were like, oh, well, where are they located? Well, my the dad of the baby I nanny, like, went to college in Oklahoma. And, no way. Uh, yes, he did. He played rugby for them.
1: I went to school in Oklahoma City, too. That's why I freaked out.
0: Right, right. Sorry. Sorry for all our listeners that didn't know that. That's why I brought that up. (laughs) Um, But he literally, he was telling me that, um, like, he knows, obviously, about who who Joe Exotic is because he went to school out there. But he asked where the other two people were, and I was like, in Florida, of course. And they both started laughing. I was like, it just makes sense that, like, they're in Florida, you know? Like, that's just so fitting. (laughs)
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. Especially Carol. Oh, gosh. Oh, She definitely killed her
0: <laughs> husband, by the way. And we're going to do an episode on that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: No, for real. I really think she fed her husband to the alligators. And yeah. alligators <laughs> this is not an alligator farm. <laughs> she has. Sorry. Floored on my brain.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm no, just kidding. No, oh, my did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I didn't even need to do that. Oh, my gosh. RIP Brit. That's crazy, what? bro. I I said RIP Brittany. (laughs) oh gosh that's so hilarious every time I see Carol wearing that flower headband I literally just want to smack it off her forehead I'm like girl you are like 57 stop you are not a forever 21 model
1: the Jacksonville Jaguars Instagram today they posted a picture
0: of Jacksonville who's the Jaguars
1: mascot for those of you who don't know and it it says hey there cats
0: and kittens (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness! So is funny. hilarious. I've I've only gotten like so I do, I watched one episode last night. My roommate talked me into it. He's been telling me about it for like three or four days, and every time he talks to me about it, I just have like this weird expression on my face. So last night I came home and he was like, "Just just watch the first episode, okay? Just watch the first one." And I was like, "Okay." And I watch it, and I'm not even kidding you, my mouth was open the entire time I was watching the show. And then I, like, wanted to stop watching after the first episode, but the second episode, like, just automatically started playing. So I saw that lady get her arm bit off, and I was like, oh, are you kidding me? And he just walks into the gift shop, and he's like, I'm sorry to inform y'all, but um, one of my employees got her arm bit off. I can give you a <laughs> refund, a rain check, whatever. <laughs>
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, when I first heard about it, I was just like, oh, my gosh, I really don't care to watch because I went to school in Oklahoma City. Actually, one of my friends grew up right next door to Joe Exotic's um, place, and there was a few times that she would get a call saying, hey, don't go outside right now. We've got a tiger out of the cage, and we got to lock him back up before you guys can come outside safely. (laughs) And it's just like, what the heck? So I was like, there's no way I want to watch a documentary about this guy. He's crazy. Midwest City is kind of known for being a little sketch. And I was like, there's right. just no way I want to watch something about that downtown. But, I mean, there's a lot of good things in Midwest City, too. Okay, I, I need to take that back. But <laughs> it was just like, no, nah, I had no interest. But then yesterday, we literally watched the entire show without getting up. Oh, my goodness.
0: Did your parents watch it with you?
1: Um, dad's watching it now. Mom, sure. mom, mom is weird about true crime. She doesn't like to think about it. She knows it's bad. She's scared of everything. So, like, she doesn't pretend it's not real. She just, it makes her squeamish. And I think she assumes that something, like, gruesome is going down with this pot, um, TV show. So she doesn't want to watch yeah, I can actually
0: hear your dad's laugh
1: in my head as he's watching the show. <laughs> oh my gosh, the way he laughs way too hard at things that aren't really that funny.
0: Yes, and it sounds like he's wheezing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's like. <laughs> it's gotten worse as he's getting older. It's it's like this. <sighs> yeah. Just almost like a cat. For a long thing, like no hiss. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's it's hilarious. hilarious. If you guys have not checked out Tiger King yet, um just watch the first episode. Yeah, on Netflix. Just literally watch the first episode and I promise you it's like the craziest thing that you could ever imagine, but you can't stop watching it because just when you think it's not gonna get worse, it gets worse. Like literally.
1: <laughs> yeah, I saw this thing on Instagram and it was like,
0: um
1: if if time travelers had visited us 10 years ago and told us that there would be a worldwide pandemic, everyone would hoard toilet paper and our savior would be an, a middle-aged homosexual tiger
0: collector. <laughs> None of us would have believed him. And I thought that was fantastic. That's hilarious. My, the people that I knew him for didn't actually know, or they knew that he was in jail, but they didn't know what for, like they thought that like, uh-huh. I don't know, like, probably one of his tigers had knocked out or something, you know? And yeah. um, he, so I told him why he was in jail today. I was like, no, he put a hit out on Carol. And they were like, no, he didn't. And I was like, yes, he did. And they <laughs> literally died, bro. They were like, what the heck? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Man, yeah, the
1: show is just wild. It's wild. So wild. You guys will definitely have to check that out. Yeah, for sure. 10 yeah. out of 10 recommend. Right.
0: No, 12 out of 10 recommend. <laughs> Do you have anything to leave us with today, Hannah? Yeah, I think
1: I just want to, like, name a couple organizations. If you are having concern, if you have concerns, if you have any suspicion at all about trafficking going on around you, I'm going to give you guys a couple phone numbers. So if you or a loved one are dealing with this, you can call the National Human Trafficking Hotline. It's 1-888-373-7888. Or you can text BEFREE, B-E-F-R-E-E, to two three three seven three three. Um Or you can go on Polaris and you can chat online with somebody.
0: And they'll... They'll help you figure out next steps. Great. Thank you for that information. You guys, please, if any of you are listening to this and you or anybody you know is dealing with that, please don't be afraid to use these resources and be free. Yeah. And suspicions, whether it's real or not, it's better to be safe than sorry always. A hundred percent. Well, I'm really glad that we did that. That was a great idea. I feel like I just learned a bunch. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I did, too. Well, you guys, thank you so much for listening to the second episode of our Suspect Podcast. That was our human trafficking episode. And our next episode, once again, will be murders in our state that we currently reside in. And if you guys have any cases, once again, that you want to submit, please check out our Instagram at Podcast. Send us a quick message, and we'll be sure to eventually get your case that you submitted onto one of the episodes. Yeah. Well, I guess that's it for the day, huh? Yeah. Well. <laughs> talk to you later. All right. Well, I hate awesome. myself. That was so lame. <laughs> no, that was funny. Also, if you guys didn't know or didn't pick up on the fact, Hannah and I are actually in two separate states across the country from each other recording this podcast um so it's more of a phone call for us but it's we make it into a podcast (laughs) yeah well thank you guys so much for listening and we hope to see not see or we hope that you guys catch us on our next episode if you like this go ahead and share it